You're listening to Breakaway Wealth, the show designed to help you build wealth faster, think bigger, and break out of the herd. Now, here's your host, Jim Oliver. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver, and with me today, Brittany Fairweather. Welcome, Brittany. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great, and that's sunny and hot in Southwest Florida. And Brittany, where are you? Uh, right now, I'm in Southern California. It is beautiful. You know, couldn't get it. Couldn't couldn't be a more beautiful summer morning. Good. That's awesome. I, uh, I grew up in Southern California, so I'm kind of a little bit jealous because I have these flashbacks 40 years to the beach and you know kind of uh driving down along the beach in the summer and it just uh it's a cool place to be but the weather's awesome. i was just out there in uh i was out in palos verdes at that resort can't think of the name of it but uh in march and it was awesome yeah it's beautiful i left california about seven years ago my my home now is in philadelphia that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day but um, going from hot and muggy, humid summer in Philly to this beautiful summer in California is definitely a nice change of pace for me. Well, 40 years ago, I left California and I went to Missouri and I thought, well, they have two good weeks in the fall and two good weeks of weather in the spring and the rest <laughs> of it you can have because it's cold. Then I went to Colorado and actually Colorado is pretty good, but it's not California. Then I went to South Dakota part of the year and Florida part of the year and then Florida the full time. And I can tell you that I've gotten used to hot and humid and it takes a few years, but once you get it, it's like, okay, I don't care how hot it is. But when I go back to California and I, you know, see when it's 80 degrees and perfect, it is hard to leave. But anyway, tell everybody a little bit about you, what you do and kind of how you got to where you are. So TRX Capital Fund is a private money lender. Uh, we focus all on uh, real estate, uh, investment real estate for residential uh, projects. So anything from uh, a land development that's going to be a subdivision or a single property site that's going to be a custom new construction or all the way through multifamily developments um, and traditional fix and flip, uh, pretty much the entire gamut from soup to nuts, um, all focused on uh, residential housing um, for for investors nationwide. So that is we are we are essentially our own bank. Um, we like to call ourselves um, private money. It's kind of a different, unique um, term from hard money versus institutional capital. We're kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, we have our own capital, and then we also leverage different banks and credit facilities that uh, give us capital to then redeploy out to um, investors that need to finance their development projects. Awesome. So, like, let me ask you a question. This is more for, for my interest. If I had a project where I wanted to do like a build to rent community, you yep. could help me from soup to nuts, from start to finish. Yep, we can do the land acquisition loan. Um, usually, mm-hmm. a lower leverage point <clears throat> on land acquisition, just because there's a lot more risk um, yeah. in in a, in a developer kind of walking away at that point. Right? They don't really have much into it yet. Um, but then we can do all the way through. Um, even, even all the way through the stabilization and long-term financing of that development. So right. from A to Z. I love that. I'm definitely interested. We're going to have to talk about that offline. I, I think that <clears throat> build the rent in Florida has a huge possibility. And I think there's so many people in multifamily down here that do have a little bit more money that could make that jump to, um, a single family home, but not quite to where they're can finance it with interest rates and 
down payments and things like that where they're at today, but that they could do that. There's also, I just think that this market is growing in Southwest Florida as uh, you and I talked a little bit off, off air. So how did you get into that? What did you do before you did what you're doing now? So I was a musical theater major, (laughs) a Southern California girl who had every dream and desire of making it to Broadway and then realized that was not in the cards for me. Um, So I I went through school as a musical theater major. And actually, um, my very first job that I had when I was in high school was cold calling uh, from a phone book. I was 14 years old and I needed a job because I needed to buy a dress and a ticket to prom. And so I uh, ended up walking across the street from my high school to a gym that was opening. Um, And I was fully prepared to just pitch myself on why this company should hire me to, you know, babysit the kids at the gym members. The gym was under construction. uh, It wasn't open yet. And so, but the woman that was there um, was helping her brother who was kind of um, opening this new gym. And she decided that she was going to take a break from her job during the day at Wells Fargo and go help her brother because she felt like he was doing his business uh, a disservice. She said, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you fix this. We're going to launch it together. Um, that woman uh, is Trixie Castro. She is my my mentor, uh, one of my very best friends. And so I ended up staying with her and her brother through college, working in their gyms, doing corporate membership sales and personal training sales. Um, and then after I realized that I was not going to go live in New York City and be on Broadway, I um, kind of came back home to my roots and she had started a mortgage company. And so she said, I'm, I'm done, you know, letting my brother work with you now and hire you now. And I'm going to come over and come meet my partner. We're, we need a new receptionist. Like we just, let's see if there's a fit here. Um, and that was the beginning of my real estate career. So um, I was fresh out of college and started working with her. And we just had a conventional mortgage brokerage. Um, we were doing pretty much everything that um, you would imagine from a traditional, conventional uh, real estate and mortgage shop. And the, the downturn was coming. And her and her partner were so entrepreneurial and so forward thinking. They said, you know, something's going to crash. This business is not going to last for us. Um, we need to diversify what we're doing and figure out how to how to make something else happen for us. Um, and she had a background at Wells Fargo. And she's like, let's just be our own bank. So we took all of our, the, the three of us took all of our knowledge of conventional mortgage loans and created a private money lending company. And we took, uh, we were fractionalizing loans. So we were taking money from investors one, two, and three that we knew that were high net worth individuals that had some free cash, some retirement um, savings and investments and wanted to put that into work into real estate. And so we took all those investors, pooled their capital together, and then we started making loans to individual um, real estate investors in our, just kind of in our hometown that were buying properties at the courthouse steps, real estate auctions, flipping them, and then selling them to the bigger institutions um, at the time that were, that now we know are these, these massive groups, you know, Fortress, Blackstone. And at the time we were just working with kind of the people who were feeding the big machine. And that's how we got started. That's how we started our very first mortgage company, our very first fund. And then we've just kind of te- grown and scaled from there. Um, we sold that company to Goldman Sachs. And um, now we're kind of doing our own thing again with our own investors. And um, it's really it's really fun. Cool. Well, you said a lot of cool things there. And you made me like you instantly because I have a 25-year-old who 
was pre-med and then got a theater degree. So I've been, uh, I've been to a lot of performances and she works for Tiffany and company now and she, and she likes it. I think she realizes that someday she's 25, that she'll want to have her own business. But I tell her, learn the, uh, jewelry business inside and out. And yeah. Tiffany and company is a great place to learn that. And Absolutely. Uh, someday, uh, we'll go, uh, start a jewelry company. So I, I like that you pivoted from theater because what I said to her when she wanted to change from, she had one professor in like biology or chemistry, I can't remember what it was. And she just couldn't even understand what he was saying. And, and it, that was all it took was for her to pivot. And she always was in theater. So, um, but I told her, I said, you don't need a degree in theater. I'm just gonna gas up your Prius and we're gonna send you off to LA and I'm gonna give you a chunk of cash and then in six months, when you, you're either going to make it or you're not going to make it, you crash and burn, I'll come get you and we'll call it a day. You don't need to go get a degree in theater. And that didn't go over very well, but it was a good logical. Thing. Uh, so let's get back to this. I love this concept and I love the, the path that you guys went down uh, because there's so many times, you know, there's a, we work with clients and we show them how to be their own bank, pay themselves interest using infinite banking, but buying cash flowing assets. So mm -hmm. what do they want to buy? They want to buy real estate. Well, the example that I use is, let's say I put a million dollars in my insurance contract and I'm going to borrow the insurance company's money now to go build something, a multifamily or something like that. Or I'm going to buy a uh, property. Well, now I'm going to use, and let's just say I can get 20% uh, loan to value because I, sometimes I'm going to have the seller finance and it's going to be 90-10. The bank's going to do 70-30 or somewhere in that range, whatever. But I'm just saying, let's say I can do that like 80-20. So then I'm going to go buy $5 million of real estate, have the bank finance 80% of it, right? And I'll get around cash on cash. I can get my cash on cash return 20 to 30%, yep. which is great, right? But what they say to me is, Jim, where do I find a bank? You know, who's the bank that's going to work with me? And I say, okay, I got these banks. They'll loan you money on the renovated value as long as you have the liquidity for the, for the renovation and blah, 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 blah. And they go, um, I talked to my bank. They won't do that. And it's like, okay. Well, and, and part of it is, okay, you talk to one bank and they won't do it. Talk to another bank. You know, get this. But you also have that little bit of proof of concept. So right. go find somebody who's done that. Tell them you want to partner with them. All they got to mm -hmm. do is sign on the, because by the way, I've done this. They just have to sign on the dotted line. They do nothing and they get a piece of it. And then next time you've already done it. So, I mean, there, there are ways to do it, but it takes a little bit of work, right? Yep. So talk about like what, what kind of ratios, what do you guys look for? What advice would you have for somebody out there saying, man, I want to get into doing, you know, how do you establish a relationship with somebody new? I guess is what I'm trying to say. How do I, as a lender now, establish yeah. a relationship with someone new? So really what we're looking for in our clients and our borrowers um, is, is the experience. Um, but, but to your point, it doesn't have to be their firsthand experience. We just did a transaction last month where it was um, in central, in Southwest Florida, actually, where we have, you know, in, it's especially in a market like Southwest Florida, where there's, it's a unique market. It's very opportunistic. Um, there's a lot of new construction going on. There's a lot of developers in Florida 
um, a lot of home builders that build for um, other individuals, either build for individual homeowners um, or, you know, they're kind of fee builders, right? They don't own the land and um, then sell it off on their own, on their own books. They just build for someone else. So we did a loan where we took the experience of that builder. When we're looking at new construction to start with, we want to know that there is an experienced home builder involved. We want to know that that person, this isn't the first permit they're pulling because there can be so many things that go wrong um, with, with just the construction process, the permit process, the delays of getting the right zoning, making sure you know exactly where your septic and your well have to go if you're not on public utility, all of those things. Um, and then obviously building delays, supply chain delays, getting windows on time, you know, getting appliances in on time, especially post-COVID. So there's so many things that kind of go into making sure we are confident in the builder. But builders aren't always investors. A lot of the time, they're just um, just home builders, just general contractors building homes. And that's the business they know. But that's the experience we want because we know that that's going to keep our investment safe and our um, our in, uh, essentially what, what we're putting our capital into um, is going to get returned back to us because the house is going to get built and it's not going to end up just, uh, you know, half done shell that sits there, right? Um, yeah. So we can take the experience of that builder, combine that with another investor who has the capital. So that's what we did last month. We have a, a client that we are working with. They live out of state and they wanted to get involved in um, a cash flowing investment property that they could add just as to their retirement portfolio, just as a way to have cash flow. Um, so they have the capital um, and they were not the experienced home builder, but they partnered with a home builder who had decades of experience building that exact house. They had a master yeah. plan permit approved in the city of Ocala and they were ready to go. Um, <clears throat> I guess that's central Florida, not Southwest. And so that's what we were looking for. We looked at, we looked at how to marry the experience together of those two partners in that transaction. On the flip side, we have investors who we've been working with for decades that have flipped, you know, 3,000 homes. Um, and so they have a different and unique skill set and experience um, that we vet a little bit differently, that we underwrite a little bit differently. But when we're looking for a new client, that's really what we want to see. We want to see how all the puzzles fit, pieces of the puzzle fit together. Um, but it's really, uh, I think the difference is, is it doesn't have to fit into, you know, this little box. It doesn't have to be. If it doesn't match this exact criteria or this checklist, it's not going to work. That is the beauty of the ability that we have now, the experience that we've built over the past decade um, of our career and, and the flexibility we have now with our capital, that we can be more collaborative with our borrowers and with our clients to figure out how to make sure we're comfortable and confident in that transaction and it's going to come out um, with the, the best opportunity for success. So we're able to just look at everything involved. I mean, one of my favorite stories is one of uh, my employees, actually. Uh, we, were at, we had a fund. We were buying um, flips ourselves. And um, we had an acquisitions employee on our side. And he was a young guy right out of college. And he's like, Britt, I, I want to own 30 properties by the time I'm 30 years old. And I was like, okay, let's make it happen for you. He knew how to underwrite. He knew what to look for in the numbers. He knew how to find a good deal. He just hadn't ever done it himself with his own business on his own. But the experience that he had in that business was, you know, we were able to use that to give him the credibility. And then now, a couple of years later, he, he probably has 
you know, 10 of his 30 and he's doing it on his own. And it's amazing. It's an amazing progress to see for me um, and for us to just know that we kind of coached and helped and mentored him along the way and he's achieving his goals. So kind of all that to say, we, we really can get creative um, and make sure that we're pulling all the right elements and components of the deal together to, to make it successful. I love that. You know, we haven't had anybody like you on the show. And I think there are people out there that definitely need what you do. And I'm sitting here thinking of several opportunities that I have right now that I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if this fits for what you guys are looking at. Because again, what I was used to, as you can imagine, in South Dakota is, you know, this is a more simple thing. But like if I wanted to buy a house, and I would rather use the bank, especially back when rates were where they were, I would rather use the bank's money than my own cash, right? So <laughs> I would just call the bank, the president of the bank and say, hey, I'm going to look at buying this house. And they would say, okay, you're good. And that was, that was the process, right? I mean, I mean, we did some back end stuff, but not much. And so now down here in Southwest Florida, I don't have any of those relationships. And it's like, let me see your PFS. No, you didn't put everything on there. What about this? What about that? You know, you get this, these 10 companies under this crypto thing, but you know, we don't like crypto. We, you know, it's like all this stuff. And I'm like, wow. By the way, we're going to take your firstborn child. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then they say the three letters that, that I'm like, okay, you're done is when they say SBA and I go, you're done. Okay. No more. Not working with that bank. You know, so. What um, I love, what I love about what bank, a lot of banks require, especially in the construction lending space. Is they require, I love it when they require deposits for you to borrow from them. Why? You're essentially borrowing your own money. Why would you do that? You know what? I love that you say that, Britt, because, and since you said Britt, I'm going to call you Britt, if that's okay, uh, <laughs> is, uh, uh, is I love that you said that, Brittany, because what I teach people is you go down and deposit money at the bank, right? Is that an asset or a liability for the bank? You know, it's a liability, right? They've got to do something with that money and they haven't done anything with it. So what they do is they loan it to a borrower. Well, there's only one banking system in the world. It's all interconnected. So when you have money deposited at a bank and you have money borrowed at a bank, in essence, you're borrowing your own money and they're marking it up. Back in 2016, it was 26 times what they were paying you on the deposit for Bank of America. They were paying you 0.5% and they were charging you an average of 5.2% according to their Bauer financial report. Right. So think about that. They're earning 2,600% more than you from you with your own, I mean, with your money from you. Now, if anybody understood that, they wouldn't do that. Right. But if I take my money or I can leverage somebody else's money and I can go make money with it, then it's just a matter of do the numbers work? You know, do the, do the, I mean, what I love about working with somebody that will actually talk to me about the deal is let's figure out how to make the numbers work. Yeah. I, I was looking at buying this car wash that happened to be in the parking lot of a Costco. Okay. And it was full service. And I envisioned what these moms and dads going to Costco and they don't want to get out of the car, but right. if they could just shoot through that car wash and then they're on their way. And so the car wash was like $8 million because it's in the Costco parking lot. But if they don't have to get out of their car, my projections were that it was worth about $14 million. But the guy that owned it, 
he couldn't tell the truth on his financials. So his tax returns, his financials didn't match in the banks that spooked the banks, right? But yeah, if we could have put that deal together and the bank could have seen the vision of, hey, six months from now, this thing's worth $14 million and right. I'm going to go buy these other four and we're going to flip all of this stuff to VC and you're going to see how we're going to make 20 million bucks. Well, then now we have a partnership. Now we have a strategic uh, thing. And if it's just a $14 million car wash, making a million bucks a year or more, maybe a million and a half, then so what? And guess what? Maybe Costco wants to buy it. Listen, I have, four, I have four children. If I were leaving Costco and I could drive through and get my car washed, I would do it in a heartbeat. I know. But you wouldn't get out of the car and let them wipe it all down. And then you, all four nope. or five of you, get back in the car. Get back in the car. Nope. Right. So, and the technology with these drive through car washes are so good now that it's, you know, it's not 100%, but it's 90% as, as yeah. good as full service. So you have four kids. How old are your kids, Brittany? My oldest is almost 14. Um, and then I have a 11 year old, a four year old and a one and a half year old. Whoa. You've got a range. Um, yeah. that you're like Costco, Costco, he doesn't go down to one, but he goes down to six, six to 14. But Nick Costco is on the show a lot. He's a co-host and he, uh, um, uh, uh, we own a couple of businesses together. And, uh, so he, you know, four kids, I'm about ready to go visit him on Wednesday. Um, we're recording on Monday, but, uh, and Four kids is a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, 58 and I do have a 14 year old granddaughter that I'm raising by myself. So I do oh, know this is my third wave of children, but she's, she's like 14, acts like she's 35. Because, oh, yeah. you know, she's in Southwest Florida. So yeah. my 11 year old acts like she's 25. I'm like, what are you yeah. doing already, girlfriend? I know. All right, Brittany. Well, hey, how does somebody get a hold of you and find out more if, uh, because I'm telling you, I'm very intrigued. I want to talk to you offline about this. And, uh, and I would encourage if you are looking for this type of relationship, so many people out there in the audience, they've asked me about this. Well, here you go. Here's yeah, Brittany. Absolutely. So Brittany, how do they get a hold of you and work so with you? So you? Uh, you can reach me on Instagram. Brittany underscore Fairweather is my Instagram. Uh, you can get TRX Cap Fund on Instagram. I also, um, and my email address, my email is Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y at TRXCapFund.com. Um, and that's, that's the best way to get us. So Brittany, a couple of things. One, I love that you had a mentor, right? And, and somebody to say, okay, because you know, you're looking for quality people, right? I've mentored people. I've been uh, mentored. And you're looking for quality people. Really, the background, honestly, doesn't matter to me whether they have a degree, don't have a degree, what their GPA was. None of that really matters. To me. Show me something. Show me some heart. Show me that you can get kicked in the teeth and you're not going to be mm -hmm. in the fetal position on your couch. And, and I can work with that, right? Yeah. So I, I love that. But let me ask you, what was the best advice anybody ever gave you in, as you were coming into the, the business world? I can't say, I can't change just one thing. Just, give me more. So then. there's, there's, it. I'm going to give you two. So yeah. the first one is, um, and I think that this has helped me personally in my career, just um, more so in, in sales, but in, um, in growing relationships and developing and cultivating opportunities um, is, is just be relentless. Mm. Just yeah. be relentless. I cannot tell you how many times I have, probably been the squeaky wheel 
that just is, we're here. Don't forget about us. Like in, in the networking side, in conferences, just be, be relentless and consistent with your follow-up, with your approach, with your, your intention and your communication. And that I think has made me dramatically more successful than some of my peers and made us as a, as an organization and as a team more successful, um, is that, is that consistent, relentless pursuit of staying in front of people. So that's the first one. I learned that from Trixie, my mentor. And then the second one, and I, I think it's just kind of something that is, I can't say I learned it from someone in particular, but invest in yourself. That is the best recently. I think the most recent, um, lesson and and just focus that I've had is invest in yourself. And I, I started um to your point about getting a mentor. I started with a I got a, oh my own personal business coach. Um I got my own uh, network of executive women to just feed off of and learn from. And it's not not necessarily always a monetary investment also, but uh, always but an investment of time. Just invest in yourself because that is ultimately the end of the end of the day, you're going to be the one to pick yourself up, back up from your bootstraps. And if you invest your time, your money, your um, emotional intelligence in yourself, then you're then going to be able to be that much better for everyone around you, for your family, for your colleagues, for your peers, um, for your clients. And I've just that's something that I've learned most recently is is just the importance of investing in yourself. I love that. I love both of those. Uh, there's a great quote by Calvin Coolidge back obviously a long time ago um and it's and he just talks about how persistence is um on omnipotent and i used to have that quote on my bookshelf and i and i love that quote because it's you can have everything else you can have talent education uh genius you can have everything but if you don't have persistence you're screwed all right so Brittany, uh next question last question if god came down from heaven and allowed you to only retain the knowledge that you've received from one book what would that book be? So when I read, I choose to read things that completely remove me from my reality. So I, this is going to be a really weird answer, but I'm going to say Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. I like it. Okay. Because, and, and, and here's why. Not only does it just completely remove you from your own reality and you get completely lost in this, this world, right? But there's so many facets and elements of perseverance and teamwork and resilience that you learn from that entire story um, that I think is is really, really, really important. At the same time, taking me completely away from reality. <laughs> you know what I like about that answer too? Because I think there's, a, again, I'm not a huge, you know, I can't tell you all the characters. I mean, I've, I've read Lord of the Rings. I've watched the movie. But like learning from everyone that you talk to along the way. I think that's another key thing that I would say if I were thinking of your answer because of the way that you talked about what you've done, because you did learn things in theater. Again, having a theater girl um, myself, I mean, she was a theater, you know, but having somebody grow up in theater is what I'm trying to say. The first time that she was in Guys and Dolls and she was at Adelaide. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I was like, who in the heck is that on stage? Because that is not my daughter. I mean, I was blown away. Like, where did that come from? Right? She's this quiet, introverted, all of a sudden, what? 
And so it was, uh, I had to come, I came back the next night and brought friends because I was like, you got to see Morgan up here. This is amazing. So I think it teaches you because I'm just telling you, I get up and I speak in front of a lot of people, but I don't know that I could act like I was somebody else and do that. You know, that's, that's tough. That's a, that's I think it's a, that's a huge, it's really interesting that you say that because I, I say that all the time. I mean, I talk to my mom about that all the time. I'm, I'm more of the opposite of, of you. Like I, I, I'm not afraid to talk to a group of people and I do public speaking. I'm stand up and talk at conferences. I, we, we hold investor meetings all the time. Um, so it's not a fear that I have of, of being in front of people. Um, obviously I was a theater major, so that's not a problem, but, um, it's so different to be on stage and completely disassociate yourself from your own lights. You are a completely different character. If you're on, if you have a bad performance that night, the character that you were playing had a bad performance. That was a completely different situation than, you know, someone coming after going and saying, oh, you know, Brittany did a terrible job that night. In my opinion, that's kind of just my, my mindset on it. And so I have a harder time as a type A people pleaser, right? That's just my personality. I have a harder time with public speaking as Brittany Fairweather. And, as, and being in front of people as Brittany Fairweather, as opposed to whatever character I happen to be um, on stage for that show. Um, so it's just a different way of looking at it. That, that is. And, and you know what? That's interesting that you say that. And I, one thing that I would tell you is that the more that you get comfortable telling your story, like whatever your story is. And by the way, like I said, I'm 58. I don't think I, I think in the last 10 years I've gotten comfortable telling my story. But I, I don't, at 38, I don't think I was comfortable telling my story, but I wish I would have gotten comfortable telling my story when I was 38, because once you do that and you just kind of own it, it actually impacts other people in such a positive way, whether it's somebody that can relate to struggles that you've had or successes that you've had, or they aspire to have the success that you've had. It's all of those things that change people's hearts and their lives. And, and so I would encourage you to, because of that impact and that, and I get this sense that you love to serve other people and help them with these projects. And I can tell you take pride in that and like helping things get put together. So I think that's a theater thing too, by the way, because you all work <laughs> together and then you have this big thing and it's right. like, boom, right? Yep. The and fruits so, of your labor, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, moms and dads that are out there and their kids are theater kids and they want to be a theater major, maybe just let them be a theater major. They're going to learn a lot. Absolutely. So. And you learn a lot about uh, criticism and how to take it and, you know, how to just kind of let it fly off the other cheek, you know, and just be a stronger yeah well-rounded person, I think. It's a good thing Morgan doesn't listen to this podcast because she would be going, see, I told you, right? I told you it wasn't going to be the end of the world when I switched from pre-med. <laughs> well, I went the other way. I started in theater and now I'm in real estate. But what's so funny is there, are, we've ta I've talked about this uh, several times, more so recently. People in, in especially in my immediate sphere of um, colleagues in this business, I feel like we're all defunct artists. Musicians, actors, painters, we're just, I don't know what it is about that personality that, you know, we just end up all kind of together in this world, in this business. You know, what's funny about that is my daughter moved from Southwest Florida to Minneapolis to be with her people. So 
you know, I get it. I get what you said. I think I get you, Brittany. So um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting to know you and maybe working with you. Lifeline. Um, projects that I have. So thank you so much for spending your time with us and sharing with the audience. And um, I'm excited for the audience out there to, if you're looking for financing and you're looking for a partner in projects, check Brittany out and check out TRX and uh, see if they're a good fit. So thank you very much. And we're going to wrap this up like we do every episode with the incredible words of Earl Nightingale and the strangest secret. So take it away, Earl. Here's the key to success and the key to failure. We become what we think about. Now let me say that again. We become what we think about. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you are looking to discover new wealth building strategies, then go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com to join our free online community and get access to free courses and in-depth training videos designed to help you build wealth and break away from the herd. Click the link in the show notes to access the community today. Thanks again for listening.